My Seven Chakras, Episode Thirty Seven. The most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or a hostile universe. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head, for thousands of years. This ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers, and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's going on, action takers? AJ here, and you are listening to My Seven Chakras, your destination for stories of how people overcame challenges and barriers to get to where they are today. And today, I am electrified to bring you our featured guest, Alan Klein. So, Alan, are you ready to inspire? I am uh, more than ready. Yes. Wonderful. So, comedian Jerry Lewis has said that Alan Klein is a noble and vital. force watching over the human condition klein is an award winning professional speaker and author of 25 books including the healing power of humor and you can't ruin my day so alan i've given our listeners a little intro so take about a minute and tell us more about yourself well i am the world's only jollyologist and um for the last 20 plus years i have gone around actually the world telling people how to increase their sense of humor in order to deal with their changes their challenges and their not so funny stuff and it came out of a personal experience that i had uh, many years ago and i can share that with your audience a little later on but my main goal is to show people how to lighten up and how to enjoy themselves and to be less have less stress in their life because the American Medical Association has said 80% of illness could be due to stress so one of my goals is to show people how to be less stressful and more joyful in their life that's a little bit about me and what i do well thanks a lot for that wonderful introduction I am really looking forward to this amazing conversation that we are going to have today but before that I would like you to light the spark in our listeners mind by sharing your favorite inspirational quote so Alan what is your favorite inspirational quote and give us an example of how you apply this quote to your everyday life Well I have many many inspirational quotes because I'm the author of seven quotation books that have about 500 quotations each book that help people be motivated and inspired but one of my favorites is by Albert Einstein and he said the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or a hostile universe so uh, what he what he's addressing is what I totally believe in is he's talking about our attitude you know what kind of attitude do, do we have to anything that happens in our life because we always have that choice and so you know my the reason i really like this quote is because it really 
talks about how do you see your world and how do you wake up in the morning and how do you go about your day or how do you react to situations? Do you see the world as trying to get you or do you see the world as being friendly and and helping you uh, achieve what you want or see the abundance or all of the good things in the in the world and in your life? So that's one of my favorite quotes because I'm constantly focusing on that, writing about that. My Healing Power of Humor book started that, and my latest book, You Can't Rue My Day, is all really about uh, the choices we make and that there's no inherent meaning in anything. We, It's what we see is what we get and the meaning we put on things. So that's why I really love that quote and how I use it in my life. The most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or hostile universe. A powerful thought. And listeners, as you are going on with your work today or the people you interact with or whatever work that you're doing today, the question is, what is your belief? What is your attitude? And what is going to be your focus for today? Wonderful. Uh, now we're going to go outdoors a bit, Alan, uh, like we always do on our show. Do you like going outdoors in nature once in a while? Yes, in fact, I have a second home where I go and garden and trim my trees and pick my apples and my pears and watch the deer and the squirrel, you know, and the raccoons. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> wow. uh, because I actually, I was born in New York City, so I'm a very city oriented person and i love big cities there's they're exciting there's lots to do but i just love going in the country and sometimes i will just sit and if it's not you know a little too cold out i can sit in my living room and just look out the window and just look at the trees and the birds or the you know the flowers blooming or the trees turning and it truly fills me up again and just brings me just joy to, to sit there and just look at nature. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, and let's imagine that you're conducting a humor workshop uh, for a chosen few individuals somewhere in the wild outdoors. And one of your attendees asks you, Alan, what is the main focus at this point in your life? What would you tell them? Well, my main focus in this point as I get older is to get more enjoyment in my life, to only do things or try to only do things that bring me fun and joy. Certainly writing out checks to companies isn't always fun and joyful. <laughs> <laughs> but even even when then doing that or, or, or when a check comes into my life, someone writes a check to me, before I cash it, I, I bless the check and I write on a thank you note on the check for all this abundance coming in my life. So if I could just focus, and, and that I guess is what I keep reminding myself, is to focus on all the good things in life, because there are many things happening that you know are tragic these days. But even there, if I could focus on finding maybe some little inkling of why that is happening in the world and how to be a better person and how, how to be more loving, how to open my heart chakra. 
I just feel that is my purpose later in life and to bring more joy to myself and in doing that to bring it to other people that I encounter. Well, thanks for allowing us to get to know you better. And with that, let's dive right in. Now, I've heard the quote that laughter is the best medicine and you show your audience and your clients how to use humor to deal with changes, challenges and stressful situations. But before we learn more about how you do that, I read online that you are fondly known as the jolly Jollytologist. So how did you end up getting that name? <laughs> um, well, I made up that name because I believe, uh, AJ, you can be whoever you want <laughs> in this world. <laughs> uh, actually, there, there is a basis for that name. There's a Greek word, jellos, G-E-L-O-S. Mm-hmm. So I would tell people that I'm a jellotologist. But they thought I made that uh, dessert, that wiggly jello dessert. <laughs> so yeah. I changed it to Jollytologist, and people kind of understand it a little better. And they always ask me, well, what does that mean? How do you become a Jollytologist? So that's when I share with them my journey of how I got to do this. Mm-hmm. So could you talk to us a bit about the healing power of humor? I know laughter sure feels good. But can you tell us about the therapeutic effect that humor has? Well, there's two different um, areas, I guess, that humor and laughter is beneficial. One is when you're laughing. (laughs) Just when I stopped now, I had to take a big, deep breath. Mm-hmm. So it's very cleansing, it's healing, because it's bringing fresh oxygen to me and uh, helping more oxygen get in my blood so I'm thinking better. Mm-hmm. And it's it's helping every system in my body. I mean, AJ, you probably know the expression, fall down laughter. Yep. You laugh so hard you can't get out of your chair so much. You... Um, Relax your muscles sometimes. Some people will pee in their pants because <laughs> they laugh so much. <laughs> um, so that's one level is the physical benefits. But I concentrate more on the psychological benefits, the healing power of humor rather than laughter. And, and what I mean by that is when you can find something to laugh about in a difficult situation – you get to see that situation differently. You get a different perspective. So you're not so caught up in it. You are able to cope with it better. You're less stressed out by it because it gives you a different perspective. You get to see it differently. And so you get to see it from a little bit of a distance. And so you're not so caught up in it. And uh, because of that, I say it's healing because... Stress, as I said before, could make you ill. And so the laughter, seeing the humor, is a way of stepping back and seeing the situation differently. So you mentioned that there are actually two levels of humor. One is obviously the physical aspect where you start laughing. But as soon as you stop laughing, your body immediately 
takes in that deep breath, takes in that oxygen and rejuvenates the entire body. But you mentioned you focus more on the psychological benefits. And I think that really induces that change when we are able to change the way we look at a situation, we look at a challenge or a barrier, then sometimes that particular thing, as Dr. Wayne Dyer says, that thing changes because we get a different perspective, we get a different angle and a different viewpoint. Now, yes, yes, he said, you know, when we change, the situation changes. True. And and so, you know, what I realize is doing this work is there's really no inherent meaning in anything. We put a meaning on everything, everything. So because you can you can interview two people in a traffic jam and one might be really stressed out, they're stuck in traffic, they've got to get somewhere, they didn't allow enough time, and they're really stressed out. And the other person might go, well, you know, I really didn't want to go to that meeting anyhow, and now I'm going to be late for it, and I'll have a good excuse, and I'll miss part of the meeting. This is great. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's the same situation, but it's how we look at it. It's our attitude. And I think when we can find a little humor in this situation, we start to change our attitude. Mm-hmm. I know I completely agree. It's all about the meaning that we put on something. So listeners, how do you relate to the events that you experience on a daily basis? In other words, what story might you be telling yourself that is preventing you from experiencing that humor, that laughter, that genuine joy? of life. Now, Alan, one of the epicenters of stress these days is the workplace. We are in the internet age, but what that also means is increased competition, cost cutting, layoffs, maybe hard decisions. So introducing humor in such a situation can be challenging. So how do you go about boosting workplace wellness and morale? Well, I think first of all, we got to realize that there may be so many people out of work and to be grateful that we have a job, mm-hmm. and it may be a stressful job, and it may be um, difficult at times with the cost-cutting and layoffs, mm-hmm. but we still have a job. So I think gratitude um, helps us see the situation differently. I also think that we could have things around to help lighten up. For instance, when my daughter was younger, when she was a teenager, She wanted a pie, a whipped cream pie thrown in her face. Mm -hmm. And I did that, and I have a photo on my desk. She's no longer a teenager. She's an adult, but I have that photo on my desk. I just look at that photo, and no matter what is happening, I lighten up. So have things around that you can look at it. It would just take a second, a little prop, a toy, a wind-up toy. I love to have clown noses around because if I'm angry or stressed out, I could put that clown nose on and look in the mirror or just imagine myself looking like that. And if not laughter, I start to smile. And again, I start to get that perspective so I'm not stressed out. If it's appropriate, maybe you could have clown noses at a, at a meeting. So you start the meeting with everybody wearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not saying not ignore the problems that are happening in the workplace. But what I'm saying, you have to consciously perhaps think of some way 
to lighten up. You know, in India, they have laughter clubs where people do nothing but laugh. I mean, you don't need a joke. You don't need to tell a funny story. You just laugh. Maybe in the workplace, once a week, you have a meeting where everybody just laughs. And it just lightens up the situation. You still got to deal with the problems, but it lightens up that situation. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that if somebody at the workplace has to do one thing to improve the quality of their life at the workplace or maybe to reduce stress, that would be to have one prop or that one object or maybe a picture that makes you nostalgic. Uh, Maybe during the meeting, have a special uh, thing that might help the entire group, the entire team lighten up when things get stressful. So thanks a lot for that particular advice. And I know that you're a past president of the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. So is there any research or study that proves or validates the relationship between humor and wellness? There are a number of studies. Uh, Perhaps the scientist doing or the researcher doing the most studies on that is Dr. Lee Burke, Mm -hmm. B-E-R-K-E, out of Loma Linda University in Southern California. And he he has shown, among other things, that cortisol, which is an immune suppressor in our system, Mm -hmm. is less prevalent when we're laughing, and there are other more immune boosters that happen when we're laughing. There's something physically happening when we're laughing that that is beneficial to our health and to our immune system. Mm-hmm. So thanks a lot for sharing that. Uh, there you go, listeners. It's not just about what is outside. Obviously, you feel good. Your entire team feels good. But deep within, uh, what is happening is there are hormonal changes. The cortisol is becoming less prevalent. There are hormones that are boosting your well-being. Uh, and that all of that is caused because of your ability to see things in a different situation, maybe to laugh, maybe to take things a bit more lightly. Now, Alan, you've written numerous books about the therapeutic effect of humor. And in one of your book called You Can't Ruin My Day, you share 52 ideas on how people can take back their power and not let anyone or anything ruined their day. So, for the benefit of our listeners, can you share one of those powerful ideas or techniques? Oh, just one out of 52 powerful ideas. <laughs> That's, <laughs> oh dear. Well, we've talked, actually, I've talked about a couple, uh, attitude that we have a choice. Mm-hmm. So, one of the ideas is to remember that we have a choice in every situation. But I guess, I guess one that is also really powerful is our intention. What is your intention when you start your day? How do you start your day? I start my day by singing a song that I'm grateful for the day, that I'm grateful for what I have to do that day, that I'm grateful that whatever I have, roof over my head, food on the table, so to be, I think gratitude is so important to having a, a joyful, happy life because we can focus on everything we don't have or we can focus on everything we still have or do have. A teacher of mine named Ken Kesey once said, to want what we don't have 
is to waste what we do have. So I think one of the most important uh, things we can do is to be grateful every moment of the day for everything that is in our life and not cry about or complain about the things that we don't have. Mm-hmm. So there you go, listeners. At the beginning of the day, when you just wake up, what is your intention? What are you grateful for? In other words, what is your morning ritual because what you do during those 30 minutes or those 40 or 50 minutes can really determine how your day goes and we're going to learn more about morning rituals but before that Alan I know that you're a humorous keynote and conference speaker workshop leader and a best-selling author and you're changing people's lives what were you doing before this interesting you asked that question AJ um Right before this, I had a silkscreen printing company in San Francisco. But before that, and I think the thing that really influenced my attitude, my positive attitude in life, is I, when I was in New York City, I worked at CBS Television. And I designed, uh, I was a scenic designer. And one of the shows I designed for 10 years, and I don't know how much your listeners might know this show, but it was a children's show called Captain Kangaroo. And the reason it was such a big influence in my life is because I had to think like a child in order to design a show aimed towards children. And so I think that influenced me later on in life because I I have some of those qualities of childlike qualities of seeing the world through the eyes of a child. And I could still identify with some of the inner child that's still within me, and I use that in in my life and in my everyday situations. So um, I hope that answered your question, but that was a real big influence for 10 years on how I saw the world and how I still do. Mm Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you worked at CBS TV and you were a scenic designer and you actually worked on an interesting show called Captain Kangaroo. And to design that show, the conventional approach wouldn't work. You had to actually go into a child's mind, think like a child to actually design the show so that the children, the end users would enjoy that. And with that exercise, with that project, I believe you tapped into your inner child and that changed the way you did things from then on Uh, and from your testimonials on your website it is clear that your audience loves you from all the experience what is your most inspiring client or success story till date in other words a story where a person used the therapeutic power of humor to change his or her life well i guess the most powerful i mean i've had a number of people talk about because everyone in my workshop gets a red clown nose and (laughs) so having a number of people of one man said it he was ready to quit his job and um every day he would go back to his office and open the drawer and there would be a clown nose and he'd put it on and kind of forget all the problems during the day but i think the most powerful and and it's not so much humor related but it is related to one of my books I I mentioned I've I've done seven uplifting motivational quotation books. And this one woman wrote me a two-page letter. 
of how one of those quotations totally changed her life. And the story is that when she was 12 years old, she was violently raped twice. And, and the sad part is, that's very sad, but the other part is, for she said for 55 years, she never told anyone about it. She was ashamed of it. She kept it to herself. And she said, it's ruined my life for 55 years until I found that one quotation in your one of your books by Dale Carnegie. And it talks about taking back your power and that your enemies don't know how they're hurting you. And they're probably dancing with joy. I mean, they probably forgot the whole situation, whatever that was but that you are carrying that around with you all those years and letting it ruin your life. And you, she said you've got to, that quote helped her take her power back to let go of that situation, to lighten up about it, and to move on with her life. And she said it's taken me 55 years to do that. So that quote, I mean, I was so... You know, as a writer, you never know when you're sitting at your desk writing what's going to influence people, how it's going to change the world. But all the struggles I had with writing were just blown away, mm-hmm. you know, by that, helping that one person get on with their life and enjoy their life more by just that one quote that I didn't even say, but it was in my book. She bought that book. She found that book, and it helped her move on with her life. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that story with us. This gives our listeners proof that a change is possible. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. Tell yourself right now, no matter how difficult it is or how difficult it seems that it's possible. And with that, we have now reached the health tip round during which our guests share a health tip, something really simple, which can be used immediately. So what is it one tip that you could share with our audience? It would be, the, <laughs> you know, AJ, when I, I, there's so many that are running through my head. <laughs> um, you know, we've already talked about some, like having a prop around or, or having a feather around to remember to lighten up, something like that. But the one that I'm focusing on these days, and maybe I'll share that with my, with your listeners, is to watch the words that you surround yourself with, the thoughts that you surround yourself with, and to have some positive affirmation that you have in your mind or you see in front of you all the time. Because I think affirmations, the the words, the prayers, you can have a prayer or a mantra, which is an affirmation Because I think those, when you keep seeing those or saying those, it totally changes your life. And I'll just give you one that I'm very fond of that constantly um, brings me joy into my life. And that is, the world treats me as royalty wherever I go. The world treats me as royalty wherever I go. And I have just seen that recently. I... I had a trip to Europe from the United States and I kept saying that and affirming that I would be upgraded to business class, first business first class on the plane. 
And the first plane I was on, it did not happen. And then they closed the doors, we were ready to take off. And the plane, there was an engine problem, and the plane was canceled. So we're put on a second plane, and here I'm still affirming that I'm going to be upgraded <laughs> from coach to business first class. And we're ready to take off, and they announce we cannot take off because the flight attendant's time limit is going to go on overtime, and we can't have that. So we're canceling this flight, too. We're going to put you on a flight tomorrow. I come back the next day. I'm on my third <laughs> attempt at getting off the ground. I'm in coach. They're ready to close the doors, and I'm thinking, okay, my affirmation, the world, the world treats me as royalty, didn't work. Is it working? They're just about closing the doors, and the gate attendant comes over to me and says, Mr. Klein, would you please follow me? And takes me to the business first class section and shows me my new seat. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. <laughs> the world treats me as royalty wherever I go. I totally believe that. Mm -hmm. So there you go, action takers. Thoughts are things. And if you haven't tried affirmations before this, I would really recommend that you try it out and see if it works for you. You might not get the business first class seat at the moment, but I'm sure you'll see some benefit or the other. And I think what is important is trying out things that you haven't tried in the, in the past and seeing what really works for you. And with that, we move on to the failure round or the challenge round. Now, marketing guru Seth Godin once said that if it scares you, it might be a good thing to try. Now, this round is about a challenge during which we learn ways to overcome challenges through stories shared by our guests. So, Aaron, tell us about a time when you faced a major challenge or barrier. Take us to that very moment. Tell us exactly how you were feeling at that instant and then how did you approach this particular challenge? Well, I guess it's a good time to share how I got into the humor arena and then how I faced this challenge. And it started 40 years, or almost 40 years ago. My wife went to the doctor for a physical checkup. And uh, results came back, and he put her in the hospital and found out she had a rare liver disease and there was no cure. And she passed away three years later. And needless to say, it was a very difficult time. But Ellen had a great sense of humor and continued to use it during those three years. And after she died, I, I gave up a business I had. I went back to school to learn about therapeutic humor. And that's when I wrote The Healing Power of Humor. But the big challenge for me was I had this passion to share how humor helped me get through that difficult three years. And yet, I wanted to share that with people, so I did it with my writing, but I wanted to share that with people in, in keynote speeches and workshops and physically get up and talk about the experience and how humor helped me get through it. But I was afraid, and this was my challenge, I was afraid to do that. I had failed, almost failed speech in college. I was extremely nervous to get up in front of a group and speak. And so it was very difficult 
for me to do that. But I had such a passion to share that. And so I just start doing it. And I kind of put my nervousness aside. I remember people like Barbara Streisand who would not get up in front of a uh, live audience to sing. That's why she didn't do a live concert for 20 years. I saw Lily Tomlin do a routine and make a big mistake in it and go back and just apologize and said, I would like to start over. I didn't like the way this is coming out. <laughs> so um, I realized if those kind of celebrities could do that in front of an audience, that I could do that too. And I just, as nervous and as scared as I was, I just had to share the message for my wife to lighten up and to keep her memory alive. I just had to keep doing that. And so I did it. I became a professional speaker. I tried to focus on my material, what I wanted to share with people, rather than my nervousness. And um, so I still get a bit nervous when I get up to speak. But my message of, uh, that I want to share with people to lighten up is so much more powerful for me than my nervousness and and thinking about making a mistake or not getting a laugh or whatever that is that 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 passion I guess it's my passion that helped me get over whatever it was that I needed to get over so for your listeners I would say if they can have a passion about what they're doing that that passion will help them conquer their the fear or that they may not accomplish what they want to do, but just have a passion for what they want to do, and that will help them, I think, get through it. Mm -hmm. So looking back now, what is that one major life lesson you would want our listeners to take away from your story? Uh, the life lesson would be to follow your passion. You may not know where it goes, but if you get good at it, People will uh, not only appreciate it, but probably pay you for it. Um, and and just um, you know, and, and my do I gave that my that advice to my daughter, who wanted to be an artist, and kept hearing people say, you know, you can't make a living by being an artist. And I just kept telling her, follow your passion, get good at it, and it will support you. And she is a full time artist these days. Um, because of, of that advice. So for your audience, follow your passion. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing your life experience with us. Because of your determination to not give up, our listeners have one more reason to believe that a change is possible. And there you go, action takers. Fear is not always a bad thing. Fear might be good as well because it signals that a growth opportunity is there. Even sometimes, even celebrities uh, haven't taken that step, didn't do a live concert for about 20 years. So it's important to overcome your fears and take just one step, learn from that one step and take the next. Remember, there is no failure because there is only feedback. And with that, we are moving on to the next portion of our show, which is all about finding your true calling or your purpose. Now, a small group of thoughtful people can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that has ever. This is a powerful thought shared by Margaret Mead. So my question to you, Alan, have you found your calling? And if yes, what is your calling? 
Well, yes, I've definitely found my calling because I've been doing it for over um, 20 years. And um, I guess what I realized just recently, AJ, is if I had a title, Mm -hmm. it would not only Jollytologist, but I am the ambassador of light. Mm. The ambassador of light. And by that I mean... I really want to show people how to lighten up. The world is pretty serious. People get overly serious. And, uh, you know, as Woody Allen once said, birth is a fatal disease. (laughs) (laughs) Once we come in this world, we know we're not going to be here forever. So to uh, enjoy it. That was a great lesson I learned from my wife because she died of such an early age to enjoy it. Why are we not enjoying it? And to um, just lighten up. You know, someone else said, you'll never get out of this world alive. <laughs> True. So, um, you know, we need to lighten up, not take things so seriously. You know, we may take our job seriously or raising our family seriously, but we need to do it in a lighter way and this is one of my techniques in the newest book, You Can't Ruin My Day, is to stop struggling. To stop struggling. And I learned that when I tried to get one of my books published. And I just kept struggling and struggling and struggling. And then I went to a, a writer's meeting and met the perfect publisher. So I, I have this sign above my desk. And, and the reason I met this publisher after trying to find many publishers, I just stopped struggling and I put the sign above my desk again talking about affirmations and the sign said the perfect publisher will find me. And indeed they did. It's a long story so I won't share that but miraculously they found me and the You Can't Ruin My Day book is actually the seventh book they have published for me. And the way that came about is I stopped struggling. So my advice to your listeners is um, I think if they lighten up, they could stop struggling. Mm -hmm. So from your stories and insights, life is about enjoying every moment of our life on this earth, not taking things too seriously, but striving hard to find out our life's true calling. Because when we do find it, we get excited and elated because we know that our life is going to change. So what is that one moment, that one moment that you can share with our listeners beyond which you knew without a doubt that this is what you were meant to do? Let's go back in time and let's hear that story. I guess the moment was, you know, I talked about my wife being seriously ill. I talked about, um, I gave up a company I had and started pursuing after hearing Norman Cousins, the road to therapeutic humor, learning about therapeutic humor and sharing that with people. But I think the one moment that kind of put a stamp that this was the right thing for me to do Mm -hmm. was uh, I was hired to do a series of all-day workshops on therapeutic humor for nurses. Mm-hmm. And one day, one of the, you know, after the day I get the feedback, and this particularly uh, all-day session, people are laughing a lot. They really seem to enjoy it. And I read the reviews, and the reviews were good. But the next day, people were not laughing a lot. 
but the reviews were absolutely glowing. They absolutely loved the workshop. And what they loved about it, and this is what's stuck in my head and was the moment that realized it's why I need to continue doing this. They said, we really liked your gentle humor. Um, the way you you approach humor was not like hitting us over the head like a lot of comedians do. You didn't use any foul language or dirty words. And that was really an encouragement because I was having doubts that I can do this because I'm not a someone who tells jokes a lot or one that, um, you know, like you go to a comedy club and kind of raunchy humor and not someone who does that. And this was really affirming the gift that I had to give people in doing and showing them a new way or my way of looking at the humor that's all around us in a gentle, kind, uh, non-offensive way of using or teaching about humor. And so that was a real seal of approval and a moment for me that said, yes, you could go on. Yes, what I do is valuable. Yes, I need to encourage what I do, who I am, rather than try to copy somebody else's approach to this subject. Just um, be who I am. And that seemed to resonate with people, and it's why I continued doing what I had done for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So from what you said, it seems like you developed your own brand, your own humor style. And once you lived up to who you were, that was reflected in the audience. They were able to relate with you really well, and that resonated in them. And even though there are so many types of comedy available in, in, in the industry or in the market, they felt that they could connect with you the best and it was different. Like in the first day, there was a lot of laughter and you got good reviews. In the second day, there was less laughter, but the reviews were still there because I think what that meant was you were able to establish that strong bond, that strong connection with the people and change their lives. So thanks a lot for sharing that story. And we have reached the final round, which is called the wisdom round. Uh, and this is structured just like a rapid fire round, during which I will ask you a series of questions and you will respond with nuggets of wisdom. Uh, does that sound like a plan? It sounds good. I don't know what my answers are going to be, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Great. So what is the best advice you have ever received? It's actually from the book uh, Course in Miracles. And it has a very simple question that I always ask myself when I get into any confrontation, which I try not to get into, but if that happens, and I invite your listeners to use this too, ask yourself, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? So great habits can change your life. So what is that one personal habit that has transformed your life over the years? Try, I try to be kinder to people. You know, because when I find when I'm kind with someone else, it comes back to me sometimes twofold. So be more loving and be more kind. So could you describe the first two hours of your day? What is your morning ritual like? Well, as I mentioned before, I get up and sing. Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this day. And the song goes on. But to be grateful for that day that I've woken up, <laughs> uh, it's an important thing, I think. And then, um, hate to say this, but I will 
brush my teeth, uh, and then go check my email. I will then uh, do some stretching exercise. I might do a little bit of meditation. I will then shower. I will walk my dog, have breakfast, and then go to my desk to start my day, which usually is uh, about writing or uh, uh, corresponding with people um, or getting my message out about the healing power of humor or about positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, reading a book can transform your life. So, if you could recommend one book that changed your life, what would it be? Certainly my own books. <laughs> but I reckon the one I, I that I think really inspired me many, many years ago was Illusions by Richard Bach, B-A-C-H. He wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull, but the book I like of his better is Illusions. Mm-hmm. So, Action Takers, you can find links to all the resources that we discuss about in the show notes. So, Alan, it was a super experience talking to you today. You surely added a new dimension to my seven chakras with your touching stories, your insights, and your advice. And I'm sure our listeners learned so many new things as well as a result of this encounter. But before you go, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for today. Tell us the best way we can find you. And then we'll say goodbye. Oh, I am grateful for um, God being alive and and having the ta- I guess my biggest thing is having the talent to share my uplifting messages with the world. And um, it's been a joy being on your show, AJ. And people can find me on the internet. It's www.allenkline.com. The secret is to spell both names correctly, A-L-L-E-N-K-L-E-I-N.com. So, Alan, thank you for coming on our show today, moving us with your stories and taking our listeners one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you. It's been, as you say, electrifying for me too. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.